Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 199. I know that's right, I just checked. Sorry for the past or previous few weeks that I got wrong. Um, we have today the myth, the man, the legend himself, Mr. Scott Roberts. Hello, Scott. Hey, boys. How are you doing? I, n- I nearly said the myth, the man, the legend. I was going to say some, some, something pretty horrible, but I thought, no, I won't do that because we don't want the podcast to start off that way. We know it'll probably end up that way, but... We'll Let's get off clean. on the right foot, shall yeah, we? Yeah, we'll keep we'll keep clean to start with, especially the way you um, ended the uh, well pre-recording intro that we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not go. Let's not go there. But it, it's a pleasure to be here, gentlemen. Um, Again, I, yeah, my second appearance, which my first one didn't end too well. The battery on my phone went. Um, oh yeah. Bit, I think I'm a bit better organised. My laptop is it's fully charged. We're at ninety one percent. My earphones work, which is a surprise. So, yeah, I was actually thinking I've not been I've not been on a podcast for a long time. Um, not not even your own. No, to be <laughs> yeah, that that sort of drifted away. Have, have you and Pete uh, fell out? Are you like drifted um, apart? No, we're no, we're just um, going down different routes. We've we, we've just not done a podcast for ages. That's all that's happened. It, it's a bit like. Um, a bit like dieting and training you know you you don't do it for a while and you forget so you don't go to the gym for a day that turns into a week and next thing you know you're exactly. 10 you're yeah you're 10 years down the line you've got three kids and you've put on about 20 stone so <laughs> you're a bit of a, well say so you're a bit of a way there you got obviously you know the special news of one kid so that's that's a third of that bit done and then how much weight have, have you gone through <laughs> <laughs> I am actually starting a diet tomorrow, but oh, no. um, I, I took some pictures today, and thankfully they were under very um, favourable lighting. So I'm, I thought I'm, I'm looking better than I realised, or the lighting has made me look better than I think I am. Um, but yeah, you can't beat a bit of gym lighting, can you? That's... No, no. I am when I, I'm going to renovate renovate my gym because obviously I have this kind of small personal studio, aka a garage gym. And uh, I need to insulate it properly and get some stuff done. I thought to myself, I'm going to put lots of nice little spotlights on it, I think. Try and get the most half-natty lighting I can get. It's got to be done, isn't it? Yeah. I imagine that's been a lifesaver in the last year, mate, that gym. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, I've had it now three years. And, um, yeah, when everyone started panicking back in, like, March last year, when things started to lock down and couldn't go to gyms, I was just like, loving life. I think this is brilliant. Yeah. I haven't even have to worry. But, yeah, I mean, I'd... I'd never, ever, ever. I don't think consider. I mean, I'll have the odd day day trip and stuff, I suppose, but I don't think I'll ever consider getting back into a proper gym membership. I just see no reason to. Yeah, it's strange. Like, um, I suppose we're jumping ahead a bit, but for people listening, I live in Spain, so the first lockdown here in Spain was very, very strict. We couldn't even leave the house. Um, we we've got a dog. We weren't even allowed to walk the dog that far. The police would be round sending you home and stuff. And um, obviously, we were training at home. I was training with my wife that I never do because we just fall out. But we, we, were, we were enjoying it. Um, it was a 12-week lockdown, and I was thinking, you know what? I'm quite happy with this. I'm quite happy never setting foot in a gym again. 
um, when the gyms opened up, I don't think I've done a home workout since. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, are you doing any one face-to-face stuff over there still? Yeah, you... so um, I'm now mainly online. Um, I think I've got about 34, 35 online clients at the moment, but I am doing PT sessions here as well, uh, mainly in the morning. Um I'm quite busy here, which is um, a bit unusual, but obviously I can't complain about that. But no. yeah, to answer your question, yes, I am doing personal just, training. Just, just you know, I'm quite happy never stepped through a gym. I was thinking, well, if you're still working at a gym, surely that's quite difficult not well, to do. Well, yeah, there, there, there was <laughs> that. But I think because, because I am now working mainly online, I don't actually have to leave my house. <laughs> apart, apart from eating and buying food, I could quite happily sit sit on my sofa and just earn my money and speak to my clients. So actually going to the gym and train is sometimes the only time I leave my house. And it's, um, I don't know if you've seen on my social media, the gym I'm a member of um, called Rail Club Paddle. It's a big outdoor gym. It, it, it's unreal. Um, mm. it, it's absolutely amazing. So it, it, it's enjoyable going there. And there's a lot of characters, shall we say. So it's good for people watching. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, outdoor gym, obviously decent weather most of the year round. Yeah. That's that's already a step up on pretty much any gym you're going to go to in, in the UK. So. Well, I, I used to work at a pure gym in Manchester. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, from a pure gym in Manchester where it rained for... 300 days of the year to an outdoor gym in Marbella that is sunny 300 days of the year. It's, it's a bit of a contrast. It's a good contrast. Yeah. I think I've been to Manchester three times in my life, I think all uh, on business and um, every single time I think for the, the days I were there, it probably at least rained 90% of the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I imagine. I mean, look, I, I loved living in Manchester I wasn't that bothered about leaving, to be honest. Um, the chance, the chance came up to move back to Marbella. Um, me and my wife lived in Marbella before Manchester, um, so we took it. But I was enjoying it. Like my, my PT business was okay. Um, we lived in Manchester City Centre, which was enjoyable. You know, there's there's new bars and restaurants opening every week, but the weather was was absolutely terrible and there were times where i was just like i'm not i'm not going out and my wife janie was like look if, if we don't go out when it's raining we'll never actually leave the house it, even in june and july <laughs> like it's raining we've got to go out so i'm like right okay mm. but now uh, we're very lucky in that we've got the complete opposite to that it's a bit like you've in wales in it johnny <laughs> God, it's been at least 16 degrees here for three days straight. Is it? Yeah. I have, I have noticed you've got it okay there at the moment, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, it's pretty good. Fine, I've la- the last, the first lockdown, we had literally wall-to-wall sun for three months, March, April, May, probably into June. It was really good. I, I was just about to mention, I spoke about first lockdown um, a minute ago. The weather was for 12 weeks here was not that good. It was pretty terrible, to be honest. And all I saw was all my clients in England sat in their, well, everyone in England sat in their front garden mm-hmm. on the piss, wearing bikinis and speedos, um, just drinking crates of beer for 12 weeks. And yeah. it, were, it were a bit soul destroying, to be honest. Mm. I did, I must admit, that 
that kind of week when it all kicked off here. Mm-hmm. Um, it might even be the week before from memory. I, I remember I, I travel a lot for work like the follow the week before. Uh, so I, I didn't go into our office for a bit. And I remember because obviously this is when people were talking about I actually went to like London and Cardiff and Bristol from memory. And I remember getting on the tube in the central line in London and missing like three tubes because it was so busy. And then mm. I then I had to go to Cardiff. Um, so I basically just obviously doing all this stuff and i think to myself afterwards now in retrospect i was like there is no way had i known at that point that this was going to turn into what it turned into that i'd have been doing any of that especially like that uh, example of being a fucking sardine in a in the central yeah. line it's ridiculous I, I literally i remember missed missed two i think or three and when i finally got on one i had to like duck the curvature of the door shutting just because yeah. that's that where <laughs> i was jammed it's ridiculous but yeah i remember kind of doing all that and getting back to to home and then think i worked from home that week because there was this kind of bit like unsure of kind of how bad this was going to be so i won't go in the office i don't need to so i worked from home and then and then yeah i remember that being a really nice week and then the proper lockdown hit but we must have what johnny seven eight nine weeks of like heat wave weather it's ridiculous isn't it yeah but i worked more i worked more than ever that time Mm. so i didn't most of it that's because johnny makes toilet paper Mm. i do yeah Okay, I wasn't expecting that, but um, it, it, it's an interesting point because obviously I wasn't expecting to be talking about this, but um, what this last year has affected people in in numerous ways, and it's it's had a massive negative effect on a lot of people in regards to losing jobs and furlough and stuff. But there's other people that have have not worked so hard in their life. Mm. Um, just incredibly busy, probably having to take over the workload of other people. Um, in regards to myself, as bad as it sounds, it, it's been the best thing that's ever happened to my online business because mm. I was set up before as an online coach and people needed to work online with people and I, I was there. Um, I was I wasn't one of these personal trainers that suddenly became a um, an online coach because they had to, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if I was in that situation, I'd have done the same. But I was semi-established, if you like, and yeah, in a weird way, I've I've benefited massively from it. Yeah, I mean, on that point, there's a there's a massive difference, and these I think the the ones that were successful all the pts that were successful successful the past year and probably did actually either come out better off like you have would be the ones that are or probably noticed the difference between online coaching and like training online as in as in obviously online coaching is very much relationship customer centric type approach which is probably completely based on the 23 hours of the day someone's not exercising whereas kind of like coaching online or training online is almost the complete opposite it's it's only that one hour while they're doing a zoom session doing some dance aerobics type stuff whatever you're doing funny you should mention that i've just um one of my long-term clients has just um come to the end of their contract with me this weekend so we had a closing call today um and she was talking about exactly what you mentioned these these trainers that you can either train with them on Zoom, so you're you're all training along together, or you buy some kind of plan where you you follow a video, which is all great. But I've got clients with me that are signed up to them people for their training, like 
if they need it, I provide their training for them. But they are following these. I don't know if it is Courtney. Courtney Black's just come to my head. Is that one of them? I don't know. No idea. Listeners, tell me if I've just talked complete bollocks there. But anyway, th- these these online hit sessions. I've got clients that are signed up to them because they're a low cost, five, ten, fifteen quid a month. But they're then paying me to to do what really matters: their nutrition, their support, their accountability, um, the education. And yeah, we we were speaking when we were talking about what we were actually going to talk about on this podcast. One of the things I kind of mentioned was online personal training versus in-person personal training. And I suppose that's one of the one of the things that in that when you have a personal trainer at the gym, a lot of a client's mindset is very um, the tra- very training focused. They just focus on the sessions they have with that trainer. And similar to when you are doing some of these Zoom classes or signed up to some of these hit online hit whatever you want to call it, your focus is the sessions. Now, if your goal is fat loss, which most of my clients are, when your when your struggles are with your food relationships, your accountability, um, doing things long term, your focus should be somewhere else, and it is your nutrition, it is your education. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's it. All ties in with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean when i hear the term online personal trainer i do kind of think of you know someone just almost trying to translate their current training offering that they would do one-to-one and just try and do it online which you know it can it can work and it is a service but when people try to think that or compare that to the same as an actual online coach is a very very different offering or different premise um like completely different in fact to the point where i think um, and I said this to a new client that I took on last week, actually. Um, I said, like, about services and we're talking around what we're doing. I said, if if you kind of want um, personal training as such, obviously it's different when you couldn't do it during lockdown, but I said, you, you, you probably do want to see an in-person personal trainer. I said, yeah. you don't want to be speaking to me. I said, the, what we do as an online coaching is very different. And even the kind of the, the exercise support that we would offer is very much in the realms of programming. Because yeah. I said you can work with videos, you can work with many things to try and help, but it's never that it, all of that stuff is just a, trying to bridge a, a gap, which is a, is actually almost incredibly difficult to the point of I would actually say near on impossible. It's okay if you've obviously got a, an, an experienced client that you know is proficient in exercise, in in the, in lifts, in movements, and exercise, and all that type of stuff. But when you're tr- you can't that's really difficult to bring on i mean you do obviously it is something you try to work on in terms of trying to bring up people's training quality and stuff but without being in person that is a very hard task even with videos yeah. and stuff so oh, yeah i completely agree and people look at me funny sometimes when i say like let's say a client is with me for 12 weeks so uh, their minimum commitment with me is 12 weeks in that 12 week period we speak very little about their exercise and their training. Mm. Um, I message a client a minimum of every two days. I have very rarely mentioned their exercise and their training. I've, I might just say, "How's your ex- like? Are you getting it done?" Um, and again, people's idea of this personal training is, is around the actual training. When 
I keep going back to because I deal in fat losses, the main focus, we all know people and we've all seen people in the gym that are in the gym seven days a week that, and they're not losing a pound of weight. And it's because, it's because it, it's not their training that's a problem. Um, and we can get caught up in this, the best um, fat loss exercises, the best weight loss exercises, the, be- the exercises or the workouts that burn the most calories, it doesn't matter. Um, I've got clients that are walking every day. I've got clients that are following quite advanced gym plans, uh, you know, where we are geeking out a bit on their training because that's what they want and that's what they need. But I've got some clients that are just, and it, this may kind of tie in with what we may eventually get to talking about, but um, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's, on the whole, it doesn't matter. And it comes down to, and I'm sure you've spoken about this nonstop in all your podcasts, it comes down to the individual, it comes down to what someone can do consistently, it comes down to what they hopefully enjoy. Now, none of us probably enjoy exercising all the time, but, you know, kind of enjoy it and can do it long term. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, and obviously it is something we just consistently talk about. Yeah. Um, we are jumping ahead a little bit because I did want to ask you, I want, I'm just going to re- rewind it back a little bit because I did want to ask you, how are you finding it as a new dad before we get into the kind of, because we obviously, we want to skip that and go on almost into what right, we do. So I yeah. talk about, but I want to bring it back. I want to put a disclaimer in. So. If anyone listened to this, I want to put, sorry, I want to put this claim in. It's not my child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got hair. Um, so, yeah, my wife gave birth last Saturday. So, if you find me chatting complete shit or or just not making sense, um, I'm going to blame it on the fact that my wife gave birth last Saturday and not the fact that I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm talking about. So. In general, we're finding it okay. Obviously, it's a bit of an eye-opener. Um, so, Janie gave birth last Saturday evening. Um, we left the hospital Monday uh, lunchtime. Uh, got quite cocky about things because my wife, the birth was, I was going to say, a relatively easy. Um, she'll kill me if, I, if she hears this, but it, it all went good. So my wife's been up and about and moving around and everything's been fine. So we were kind of walking around thinking, well, oh, we've got this. And then Tuesday night, hit us like a, a ton of bricks in that she just wouldn't stop screaming. Jo- so, me, uh, me and Johnny are just smugly smiling yeah, because every, yeah. I think every, every, <laughs> every existing parent knows that you get that first day where they're child is obviously clearly shattered from the ordeal of childbirth and they basically don't open their eyes for like 36 hours and you're like this is amazing yeah i can i can do this this is gonna be right (laughs) well we were so where we live um we've literally got a bar over the road and a restaurant over the road so tuesday i was with a mate i went to the gym tuesday brought him back to meet the baby and we went went for something to eat i'm like oh everything's going all right here and then i think about from eight nine o'clock she didn't want to be put down, so every time we put her down, she'd start screaming. And then that just went on all night. And obviously, you don't know what to do. Um, the construction in Spain is not ideal, so the walls are paper thin. So I'm thinking, oh, fuck, the neighbours must be hating us right now. 
and what the sleepless nights I'm not too fussed about like you know I can deal with being tired but that screaming that is just in your ear constantly and that feeling of being helpless like you you want to try and do something they obviously well they might not be in pain maybe it's just what babies do but you're like I've, I've got this small human that I've created it's crying its eyes out it's screaming in my ear and there's absolutely nothing I can do um, apart from curl up in a ball and cry with it it's about right it is about right but apart from that it's been okay we've got we're working as a team which is like a very good coach and client uh, we're working as a team we're chatting we're, we're surviving good we're eight days in and we're surviving so let's do a podcast in, in a year's time and see if I'm a broken man do you know the, la- the last podcast I checked earlier the last podcast you did when you 2008. were 2008 yeah 2018 yeah a- April 2018 three years ago outrageous yeah. so but uh, you, uh, you did one with me and Pete on uh, well oh on yours yeah, like, yeah. Uh, lift more lose more yeah yeah, yeah. I'm sure that is that back catalogue still on iTunes if people want to go back and, yeah. and listen, uh, <laughs> listen yeah. Although we've not done one for a long time, Lift More, Lose More, um, there's some good podcasts, even the one with Brett. Yeah, even the one with me. Bloody hell. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it, yeah, that, uh, like Johnny said, you've got, you've got a, a bit of a way to go still, mate, without sounding like a, a scary prospect. But um, the, the thing, the worst thing is about it is every time you think you cracked it, you get these regressions where that just all goes back to square one again. You're like, oh my god, what? Like even now with a, I've got a, a three year old that wakes up quite regularly at night time, just shouting, "Put my cover on!" Like, <laughs> do it your fucking self. <laughs> Put my. And she's like, "I want my cover." I was like, Jesus Christ, you've really got to lean over and just pull it on back on yourself. It's like, yeah, even well, now, if, um, learning from Tuesday, we've got something in place that seems to be working which is great but i'm well aware there's going to be one night with what we think is working doesn't work mm-hmm. and that's going to be the night where i completely break down yeah well uh, it, it, if if i can give you a tip for sleep that is that worked eventually or, or when i did it for my first child which i wish now i wish i'd done earlier it worked and, and it's been brilliant for my second child um self-settling honestly do it from the off it's really hard really really hard a lot of people that from my experience resort to or they can't do it because obviously it's quite traumatic um as a parent like you're talking about being emotional and uh kids crying and obviously not knowing what to do and obviously you you have this parental um feeling that you just want you need to settle them or you want to settle them you can't you don't want to see them in pain type thing well i think if you can get to a point where you can just get them to self-settle. It is the absolute game changer when it comes to sleep. And those the parents that I know that haven't done that are still now, even sometimes when they're several years old, having to resort to like trying to sit with them for hours to get them to sleep. Or like right. a child won't sleep unless the parent's in the room. So the parent has to stay in the room until they fall asleep and then leave, that type of thing. Um, which becomes an absolute nightmare and a burden over time. So yeah, self-settling is hard though because you, I think my first child, we tried it and um, just kept giving in too early because it just felt like it was getting too distressing and all that sort of stuff. But uh, actually, I was—I think we were, every time we did it, I think we were at that petering edge where we just need to go over that edge and we just never brought ourselves to do it. Eventually when we did, cracked it. So, right. 
I'll keep that that's in my, mind. That's my tip. Because now, like, my second child, just stick her in bed and she just goes to sleep. Brilliant. Right, yeah. I'll, Google, I'll Google that then. Yeah. It's basically just leave them in small periods of just crying until eventually they decide to stop crying and they go to sleep. But obviously you kind of start with a minute and then go back, give, give them a cuddle, then lay them down, leave it two minutes, give them a cuddle, go back. And eventually they just think, oh, this is fucking shit, I'm just going to go to sleep then. <laughs> so Until they get to 21 years old and they've got massive issues. Yeah, no, I still do it then, probably. Probably still screw <laughs> <laughs> No. Well, who knows? But um, no, no, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know anyone that hasn't said that's the best thing. So that's my tip anyway. Any, right. By the time they're 21, I've got massive issues. They can fuck off. So it doesn't well, matter. exactly. Not your problem then, <laughs> no, is it? not. I just want my sleep now. Our one was get in a routine, read it a book, put it down. And like you said, if it starts, you start screaming, leave her. I think it was like 10 or 12 minutes. And then it'll go back. And then if, you, if it's the second time, leave it a bit longer and a bit longer each time. And then when you go in there, like you get tendency like picking them up and bounce them around the tap, but don't do that because you you're stimulating them again. Mm. So I go in there, turn it over, put it back down left, and then literally she was horrific for a year and a half. Change it literally on the day, the, the same night she slept on like Tuzga. The magic. Is See, just... there you go. John, Johnny's now advocating. See, there we go. Thing is, it's the exact opposite of what you want to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. as a parent, absolutely. Because yeah. it is hard. Like I said, it's it's traumatic for you. It's what when I said at the start, like pe- a lot of people kind of don't manage it because it is traumatic. It's like it's more it's as traumatic for you as it sounds with a child because you just are so bad. You just want to go in there and give them a cuddle or whatever else, try to get them to cry. But honestly, stick it through because it's worth it. Anyway, what you want to do is just t- turn them on to the side and, le- and just go in a different room. You can't hear them. I do that. <laughs> I do that now. The amount of times I shout to Jenna, turn up. She's still, we've still got a monitor on now because obviously we've got Molly who's not not quite two yet. And to be fair, Jenna likes to know when someone's like getting up and stuff. So obviously they've both got cameras in their room still. And I keep saying, turn that fucking thing off at night time. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Like, especially bear in mind they both have lullabies. So I've got these lullabies going in my ear literally the entire night. <laughs> Sounds good. I might come and live with you, bro. You well, I've got no. Yeah. I've I've invited Johnny to come live with me a few times, and he keeps turning me down. Saying that, I I cry quite a bit, and by the sounds of it, you'll just tell me to fuck uh, off. Yeah, I was, was going to say, just <laughs> I'll 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 get you self then Don't worry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. Well, I'm sure there's speaking of the devils. I've got a little child come to see me now. I'm sure our listeners really want to hear you talking about your bracelet. It's probably the most interesting you, thing we've spoken about. To probably. You, you two crack on a minute. I'm just going to mute myself. <laughs> what should we talk about, Johnny? What was it? What was the, what was the actual topic at hand? It was right, actual... Well, now we've got rid of Brett, I'll, I'll take over, shall I? I, th- I think um, should, because Brett just talks absolute bollocks. Yeah. Me. Because um, I seem to remember one of you saying we won't keep you long because um, I'm an hour in front and I've just got a newborn baby. And then Brett just didn't stop talking for an hour. But um, what we were going to talk about was like common common problems with with clients. And be, because before Brett comes back on, um, the subject he wanted, oh, he's here. I won't say it. Oh. Anyway, um yeah, common problems with clients because the reason I wanted to talk about this and again comes down to my main client base in 
general population, you know, people that have got families, people that have got jobs, people that have struggled with their weight loss and their body image and their um, food relationships for years and years. You can feel lonely. You can feel like you're the only person going through it. Um, you don't know where to turn. And you can feel like you're the only person that is whatever it is you're going through or dealing with, you can feel like you're on your own. So, you know, just, just us talking about things that our clients struggle with, things we've um, come across in the past, can just make people realize, oh, you know what? One, I'm not the only one struggling with this. You know, there's other people um, going through it, which I suppose something like Slimming World or other groups like that, it, it's a lot of people together with the same problems, and that's great from a support point of view. Um, but it's important for people to understand that they can they can get through it, um, whatever their problems are, wh whatever their their start weight is, or whatever it may be. There's a way around it, and jumping forwards to a solution. A lot of it comes down to education. A lot of it comes down to support without turning this into um, a sales pitch for any of us. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a very long-winded subject. Um, that probably won't make a very good podcast title. Well, you never know. It could make an interesting podcast title, I think. Yeah. Why is it so long? I'll have to them click the ellipsis to see what's, what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Why is this taking up all of my data? <laughs> But um, I, the thing is, with, with this lockdown, I, I imagine these things have been exacerbated, haven't they? If people have got... Yeah. So there's loads of stuff that affects people's um, relationship with foods. And I think, I think I, I use you, as you know yourself, the online fitness industry is fucking horrifically bad for most of the time. And they just sort of think, well, if I'm a PT who's been in shape for all my life, and I'm speaking to a, a mother of three, or maybe a single mother of three who's stressed... Yeah, she's got three kids. You know, you just cannot relate to that. You just can't say, "Oh, suck it up and just it's all about calories in, calories out." And that's like, you know, as as a principle of weight loss, yeah, calories in, calories out, of course, is the principle. However, psychology trumps all. F funny you should mention that, mate, because um, one of my clients yesterday posted on her Instagram about her progress. Um, I think she's she's 23 pounds down or something like that, and she put it on Instagram. And obviously, one of the comments was, what diet are you following? And I w if someone came to me and said, it's like, oh, what, what diet do you get your clients to do? I can't answer that. I don't even know. I can. Our... I can. Because uh, I think, again, the client that I took on last week, we had a conversation very similar to that kind of premise. And uh, I think the answer was not eating like a dickhead. Right. <laughs> so, yes, there is that. But um, funnily enough, she... So, basically, her answer was, um, I'm counting calories. Uh, because she she's using my fitness pal. So, on paper, that is... That is what she's doing. Is it, it is it, it is the diet she's following? But we all know, and again, there's probably a lot of people listening to this that are counting calories at the moment, or tried counting calories and not actually got anywhere. So it, it's very easy to say, "Oh, just count your calories and you'll lose weight." 
but I know, and there's stuff I can't actually talk about on this podcast because it's very personal to her, what we have had to work on and what what she is struggling with. Mm. And and believe me, but like you won't wish it on anyone. And the fact that she is where she is now, it, it's not a miracle, but it's testament to her hard work and what we've put in place together. It, it goes way beyond just saying, oh, hey, babe, um, I'm, I'm counting my calories and using my fitness pal. Mm. Because it comes down to, again, what I mentioned in, the, in um, a few minutes ago, education. It comes down to support. It comes down to all the conversations we're having. That it's why I'm passionate about what I'm offering people at the moment in regards to how hands-on it is. You know, I, I, I don't have any interest at the moment in setting up a group or something that one-to-one that isn't as hands-on as what I'm doing at the moment because, one, I love talking to my clients as much as I am. Uh, week one we speak every day week two um, every two days so I love that contact but as I take on more people and as the time goes on I see how important it is Mm. because it isn't just saying eat this amount of calories you can eat whatever you want in within them calories speak to me next week and tell me how you're getting on because we all know a lot can happen in that week. Um, yeah, a, lot, yeah. a lot, a lot of things can crop up, whether it's social occasions or someone at work trying to force some biscuits on you, a family member giving you a negative comment, or all these issues that have come from past diets. And I've, I've got clients that are forty, fifty years old. Maybe I think I've got a client that's in her 60s. Some of these people have been struggling with their diet since they were 12, 13 years old. That's 10, 20, 30, 40 years of, of pain. You know, that, that, they, let's not dance around it. it. It's pain, physical and mental pain. So to just boil that down to a diet, it, yeah, it, it, it just it, it isn't what it is, is it? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I look at that and I kind of think of that, that reminds me of like an analogy or or a premise of uh, giving someone like the keys to a car and saying, yeah, go go drive to X, Y, Z place. And it's kind of like, I mean, the, the premise is very much exactly the same as like counting calories is counting calories. It works. But you can't just tell someone to count calories and then expect them to do it get you know get to their yep. destination in the same way you can't give someone a car and expect them to get to on his drive somewhere because if they don't know how to drive they can't account for all the traffic around they can't you know all these different things that yeah. will affect whether they'll actually get to that end destination or not it's, it's a similar thing so well um just telling someone to count calories is is no more helpful than just saying cut out carbs and and people that follow you know I hate I hate the word evident well the phrase evidence based because it's just getting thrown around left right and center but a lot of that comes down to calories in calories out and potentially counting calories and we in that environment look down on just saying cut out carbs but it, it's as it's it 
as a shit advice, it's exactly the same. Mm. And yeah, again, it comes down to what I spoke about in regards to what what we are the topic of this podcast. It's important for people to realise that there's other people going through this. But the most important thing is there's a way out. It doesn't have to be um, this dark hole that everyone is in. There is a way out. It's probably easier than people think. Um, and one of the things I spoke to Brett about when we were speaking about this topic is overthinking, um, you know, just overthinking things in general. Um, and very often, and you guys probably find the same as well when speaking to new clients, they think, oh, I'm going to sign up with a coach and they're going to get me to do X, Y, and Z. And, and you start talking and very often they'll probably say, is that it? Or that all sounds quite simple. Hmm. And you're like, yeah, one, it needs to be. And two, it is. Because if, if you're going to do this long term, and that's an, it's probably going to take longer than what people think. If you're going to do this, get to where you want to be and then maintain it and do it long enough to whether maintain or achieve whatever you want to achieve further down the line, it is easier. And the things you do need to focus on are the simple things. Hmm. I, I, I find it funny when clients first start that like for the first week, what we do is we don't even get them to do anything. Like it's literally nothing for the first yeah. week. Usually, I mean, Usually it's just a data collection week in terms of just establishing people's baselines, routines, habits. So we would normally ask them to do some sort of food diary. Most people end up choosing my fitness pal because it's just the easiest way to do it. And obviously it's, I mean, I'd say the most accurate. A lot of that first week is actually just learning how to track. Um, yeah. Which is which is weird because obviously I use I use tracking with less people than I ever have by a long, long way um, nowadays compared to a few years ago. So it's kind of like, why are people tracking? But it is just a really, I mean, that data collection week is just ideal really to be able to start to kind of get people um an understanding of like energy density of foods and just start to kind of pick holes apart themselves with a bit of autonomy of like oh shit i didn't know i was doing that or whatever yeah. so there is there's a lot of things but i think a lot of clients exactly what you said they're just like is, it, is this it is, it, is nothing gonna happen this first week you're like well well no actually just i don't care this isn't about you should be coming to me expecting to see you know half a stone lost in that first week that's not what you're coming to me for. You're coming to me to help basically change your life. You want me to kind of help you trying to change all your behaviors, almost change your identity so that you don't have to go through this diet again with anyone else. Yeah. So well, let, let's take my fitness pal as an example and the mistakes people make with it. Um, first of all, they obviously aim for calories far too low. Um, but then they start dissecting their um, macro split, so their protein, their carbs, and their fats. And then my fitness pal will give them, a, give them a red line because they've gone over their carb intake or their fat intake, or it will, it will, um, you know, they'll scan. I don't. Let's say they scan peanut butter and it will come up red. This, this is high in in fat. And all this data and all these red lines and all this, they're just like, what the fuck is all this? And two, I'm messing this up. And then they, they, they message me going, Scott, this has happened. Scott, should I do this? Scott, should I do that? 
and more often than not, I'm telling a client in week one or before we've even started, I don't care. Mm. And they're like, <laughs> they've just paid me all this money and I'm replying, I do, I do not care. And please, you don't care as well. Because, um, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've gone over your carbs, if you haven't gone over your calories. It doesn't matter if you've gone over your fats, if you haven't gone over your calories. It doesn't matter if, it doesn't matter if you've gone over your calories because you, can, because, <laughs> because you you can then, if you want to, you can um, make up for it on the days after. Or let, let's say that's because of a binge. Uh, let's say you've gone 5,000 calories over your allowance. Rather than thinking, oh, shit, I better knock a load of calories off for the next three or four weeks. Right. Let's just draw a line in the sand. Let's address why that's happened because that's the most important thing. Why has it happened? Let's try and deal with that so it doesn't happen again. So, yeah, a lot of overthinking, which comes down to um, one of the points I kind of just jotted down, um, comes down to um, past diets, the media, past information. People have just got all this bullshit in their head that doesn't really matter. Uh, and they think like they should be doing it because it's a secret. <clears throat> and then they pay someone who they hopefully respect, who they know has the knowledge that they need. And that person is there turning around just saying, look, I don't, I don't give a fuck about any of this. And neither should you. And uh, this is what we're focusing on this week. I know it's boring. Uh, we'll try and make your exercise as interesting as possible so you enjoy it. Um, we're going to let you eat some chocolate and pizza if you want. Um just be accurate be honest with me talk to me when you struggle and uh, we, we can achieve some uh, some amazing things together mm. well, so when, when you kind of get new people contact you then obviously they're probably aware of you mm. in terms of kind of what you're about your uh, i suppose general ethos for want of a better word on stuff um but what what do they kind of come to you with in terms of like what seem to be like made their major struggles or their major issues i know you you have talked through some of them already but is there any kind of just if we just get a bit more granular with it in terms of just kind of like what are some of the key problems with people? What what are the key problems that they actually face? I, right? I reckon the biggest two are um, just not doing it for long enough. Um, so you know, they can stick to a diet for a few weeks or a few days and then they give up. Um, again, that comes down to education or just just not knowing what they should be doing. Um, so, yeah, not sticking to things for long enough and poor food relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel, when it comes to... They're, they're not mutually uh, exclusive they're, either, though, are they? That's the thing. Oh, no, of course not. And There's a few things that have already come to my head, but purely from that very first contact point of view, when we, when we get on our initial call, I think they're, they're the two biggest things. Mm. But obviously, when you then go into, when you start the process, um, you come to some of the stuff I've written down. So the work environment, um, having kids and, you know, the pressure of having kids, um, an unsupportive partner um, and all them things. But a long-winded way of answering your question is just not sticking to things probably because they don't actually know if they're, what they're doing is right or not. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to overthinking, I've had clients doing perfectly fine. They're doing all the right things, 
but they've suddenly convinced themselves they should be doing something else. Mm. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. We're six weeks in. You've lost, I don't know, six to 12 pounds. You're happy. You're feeling good. And for some reason, you're now messaging me saying, I'm not doing good enough or should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? So it's not just overthinking things when things are going bad. People are overthinking things when things are going good and it comes down to just a lack of confidence in themselves Mm. because they've failed diets so many times and then they suddenly start getting people in their head. I've had, sorry to go off on a tangent, but I've had a client two weeks out from a photo shoot and to this day, she's probably my most eye-catching result. Like, if she wanted to, she could have got on stage. Looked unreal. Two weeks out from this photo shoot, she's messaging me saying, should I be eating this? And I'm like, you've, eat, you've eaten this. It might have been yogurt or milk. I think it was milk. Should I be having milk? I can't remember what she was having milk in, but someone at work has just said I should be having milk. And I'm like, you've had milk for the last six weeks or eight weeks or however long. You look fucking incredible. Like, unbelievable. And she was like, oh, yeah. All right. But, and as stupid as, people may be listening to this thinking, that sounds ridiculous. But, but you need to take into consideration someone's past. The fact that when you're dieting, can be a head fuck as well so just the diet process diet fatigue um people people can get easily get into your head um so yeah i don't know where i was going with that but again it ties in with what we're talking about Mm. yeah i I mean for, for me one of the the biggest things is probably that food relationship bit um which I think, like I say, and I said it, it's not mutually exclusive because I think actually they do really quite overlap, actually, the kind of the food relationship part and the fact that I think a lot of those are the reasons why people don't stick to things long enough. Yeah. Um, because I think for, for most people that I, I come across in terms of that want to kind of work with us for fat, from a fat loss perspective, it's because they have what I would say is probably that 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 light switch um mentality in terms on off it's there is no in between so they're on it and they're doing well and then they're off it and they're yo-yoing and that's just basically how they've lived their entire life and i would say the most people that i've worked with have been in that um in that space and it's all to do with their food relationships it's all to do with the fact that they they kind of go go through binge restrict cycles um in the in the kind of like the chronic chronic term as in like not like a one-off binge meal as in they go through periods of you know doing really well lo- losing significant amounts of weight yeah your typical slim world type person say as an example where they might be on a slim world k- regime kick whatever you want to call it for several weeks or even months and obviously lose huge amounts of weight like 20 30 40 pounds sometimes on these people but they then can have a few weeks where it all goes wrong because social occasions come up because you know just a, just a reason that they can't stick to a slim world diet and because they don't know the principle of obviously why weight loss occurs or why weight gain occurs, they can't then apply any education they've learned because they don't have any. And to compound that with the fact that they've just got this poor mentality of food, it just creates these longer-term binges where they have several weeks off slimming world and then start again in probably the same condition or heavier than they were previously. And that's kind yeah. of like a, what I mean in terms of this on-off switch or the light bulb diet as or the, the, the light switch kind of mentality, as I call it. Um, 
Yeah, which I think obviously that's kind of a lot of the job I find with a coach. And you've you've said a lot of things which aligns completely with that in terms of saying you don't care about certain stuff and it's all about support. That is the kind of the mentality that people should have in terms of like a dimmer switch approach instead, because you shouldn't care about certain individual little things because it's all about changing a dimmer switch. Like it isn't a right or wrong or bad or good or bad. It's very much a well, it might not be serving you exactly what your goal is, but it's not a problem if you then just kind of slightly dim it a certain way or accept it how it is. If that yeah. makes sense. But oh uh, yeah, but I think it's important to um, highlight that we're not just talking about junk type foods as well like i've had clients that are scared to eat fruit mm. um you know there's the classic white white rice over brown rice mm. or you know maybe even certain veg you know <laughs> should you just eat uh, green veg rather than peppers and um carrots or something like that but it's just that saying to a client look, to be honest, this doesn't matter. Um, you can have some fruit. You, whether you're counting calories or not, you can incorporate whatever it is you're scared of eating. Well, I suppose you've got two options. You can incorporate it in certain amounts within your allowance or for a period of time, especially if it's a trigger food, let's avoid it for a bit. And over time, when we talk about, no, we'll have conversations over these things and we'll bring it in slowly and i suppose there's your two options but it's important for them to know whether they're going to have it every day or each week or not at all for a bit you can have it and it, it comes down to them then thinking again oh shit this is easier than i thought it was gonna be or it doesn't have to be what i have tried in the past and just taking that stress away from them can obviously then make the process a whole lot easier mm. and they, and therefore mean they can do it for longer johnny what what are some of the things that you think are i suppose like prominent or kind of like most common things that you find with people that you've been working with snacking but then that but then that boils down to um almost relationship with food like i, I meet people i can come to go i am bored i always find myself snacking i th- i think i feel hungry um, so I go and get whatever, normally chipped in it, normally chocolate crisps, whatever the uh, food is. And then the funny thing is you, you work on uh, mindful eating and even get to the point where they write things down, like what day is a particularly bad day for your snacking. Sit down and write it down, what you're thinking at a time. And then it's in relatively short time, the snacking is vastly reduced only because they're thinking about yeah. why they're snacking. Like, am I really hungry? Those type of things. Like I say to the clients, if they snack, is it if if you've asked yourself the question, like, are you hungry? No. Well, then you shouldn't snack. If you're hungry, then okay, go and have a snack. Mm-hmm. But let's look at the snacks you're eating, and it boils down to what, what you just said just now is. If that snack is a trigger food and you can't stop, then that is not a food you're going to snack on for a period. But if it's uh, a food you can snack on, then you're happy, then you're going to do it. So snacking is definitely the biggest thing by fucking miles and miles. Then um, that boils down to education of, you know, <clears throat> even not education, but being bored, especially during lockdown, bored, yeah, uh, yeah. mindless eating. Yeah, so, sorry, if I can just jump in there, like, 
obviously when you commit to a coach, uh, you just become a bit more accountable, mindful, as Johnny said. And um, but there's there's this mindset about snacking where you shouldn't be doing it. But you know, if you find yourself snacking at a certain time of the day, that there's and there's probably a good enough reason for it. Right at you know that classic mid-afternoon slump, I find myself snacking and in their head they're probably snacking on the wrong things even though we know that doesn't matter right if if you're struggling at three four five o'clock let's put a snack in there there's nothing wrong with having a snack in there because because it comes within your calories even though that snack might be the snack they're having anyway and feeling guilty about have it there's nothing wrong with it let's have it it's within your calories um and it's just that that clearance of thinking, oh, you know what? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, co- coach has said it's okay. Um, let let's crack on. Mm. And um, what was the other thing I was going to say? I don't know. Someone jump in. I forgot. I, I was going to say we're snacking. I always find it's it's usually one of or a combination of three things which is generally the issue and and say the issue in terms of i agree i I don't think snack is necessarily a bad thing um you just tend to find that snacking usually that usually doesn't serve individuals for what their goal is if it's weight loss because obviously like johnny said they most people are snacking on foods that are going to be not particularly uh, conducive for weight loss um but i always i always find that it's either boredom so it's because the, there's times a day where they're unoccupied and kind of poor food mentalities and food relationships just relate to solving that boredom with eating. It's just kind of mm. how a lot of people do. Or it's either an environment trigger. So it's a case of, and, it, and that kind of slightly relates to boredom, but an environment trigger could be that at a certain time of day, they are find themselves in a environment that isn't conducive for not eating. So it might be a case of, I don't know, you work in an office and at a time of day, you know, you go to some somewhere in the office where the snack's about and then you just kind of got this environment of food availability around you. And obviously that's causes you because you see it or like, you, you know, people are at home and they have cereal on the countertop and obviously they go in to make a drink and cereal's on the counter. And it's just stuff like that, which is kind of is almost an environment trigger, which kind of then causes snacking. So obviously it's kind of like, well, actually they wouldn't have eaten it if they hadn't had this trigger of food being out and available in the environment. Um, and a third thing is probably really which I would say is probably the biggest one actually in terms of they're not managing their meal. Uh, I nearly said frequency, but that's not really frequency. I suppose they're basically, they're, they're not eating enough generally. So like they could do with probably yeah. increasing oh, yeah, the, the meal. It's kind of, yeah, I would say if, if they're snacking, they're probably overly hungry and they probably need to increase their meals, um, their meal volume, their meal, even, you know, energy content, whatever it is, because that might have a better net effect um, yeah. than including the snacks on top of it. You might say, well, actually, why, why, if they, if you don't want the snack, but then they're eating more, what's, you know, why can't they just snack them? Well, you can, but the, the kind of, I suppose this goes along the lines of almost like the intuitive eating, the mindful eating, the almost like treatment for eating disorders <laughs> realm. That, that's an extreme comment as such, but kind of that idea that actually the reason people overeat and the reason often that people kind of suffer with hunger issues is because they're basically not nourishing themselves or feeding themselves enough the rest of the time. And I think that is, does apply to a lot of people. I think you almost have to sometimes almost heal that relationship, that, um, that hunger, uh, issues that they're having 
before you can then actually go into thinking about really whether someone can successfully diet and can yeah. kind of create a calorie deficit over time. Because obviously if you if they're constantly snacking because they're constantly hungry because they're not constantly eating enough, you probably have to solve that bit first. Yeah, I think to be honest, that's a massive point you've just made, mate. Because um... it's like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, well, I've always walked up to you, to be honest. But um, because you're short. Yeah, I've always, or I'm, or I'm on my on my knees. But um, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember speaking to a client here. We did, we used to do a boot camp here, and um, I sat down with this um, female, and we talked about increasing her protein intake, not just in regards to having protein in each main meal but increasing the actual size of protein in their meals. And um, she pulled me to one side a week or two after, and she's like, oh, yeah, I feel so much more full, and I'm not, I don't find myself snacking as much anymore. And the fact that she wasn't snacking as much anymore meant she lost body fat. Mm. Um, but I don't just want this to be about protein. Just generally increasing the size of your, your meals from a portion, side, from a portion point of view and obviously a calorie point of view, if you're fuller, if you have a bigger breakfast, you probably won't find yourself starving hungry at nine, ten o'clock. If you have a bigger lunch, you may not find yourself... Now, if you just have a bowl of soup for your lunch, then of course you're going to be starving hungry at three, four o'clock, and you're probably going to make some shitty choices then. You're probably going to end up overeating. When someone offers you a pack of biscuits, you're going to end up eating the whole pack of biscuits. So, but this comes down to what we touched on earlier in the food relationships, the fear of eating calories, you know, this fear of, you know, just I'm dieting, therefore I'm not allowed to eat anything. And just trying to reverse that, look, you can have three very good sized meals. Let's say you have three meals at 500 calories. That's three pretty decent sized meals, especially for a female. That's 1,500 calories in total. Most females will lose weight on that. Uh, that's obviously very simplified, and I'm not suggesting it. But you know, when you break it down like that, mm-hmm. rather than what do you have for breakfast? I have a boiled. I have a boiled egg. Right? Why don't you have three boiled eggs? Or why don't you have two eggs on a slice of toast? Why don't you have three eggs on two slices of toast? Oh, shit, I can't eat all that. Well, how do you feel on one boiled egg? Well, I'm starving hungry. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's um that <laughs> that comment about uh, the egg and how do you feel? I'm, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm starving hungry. Or I can't, and the other comment about uh, why don't you eat three eggs and whatever? And they're t- oh, I can eat all that. That's the that's the one that that gets me sometimes because it does come out quite often. I couldn't. Oh, I, I don't think I could eat all that. It's like, well, I yeah. think you probably could because there's that's, that's the reason why you're the then uh, yeah. You, that's that's why you're then overeating the rest of the day because yeah yeah. <laughs> um, what I, I mean, obviously, we talked through quite a lot there around kind of common issues, and hopefully, we've at least given some kind. Of, I don't know. <laughs> whether you'd call it necessarily uh, resolutions, but I guess that kind of gives you a bit of an insight as to some of the things that we might try to talk to clients about and implement some things, you know, even things like increasing meal volume um, to, to kind of combat the snacking type thing. Um, what what do you think, obviously, from an exercise perspective, do people have issues with? I mean, I know you talked a bit about it's not 
a huge fundamental thing for a lot of your clients to even consider but i suppose like while we're talking about nutrition it's probably worth just saying like kind of how do you get people to do or what do you get people to do in terms of an exercise minimums almost um and i suppose how do you get them to do that or what barriers do you kind of see so you can help them overcome those right so just to touch on the first point you kind of nearly made in the like not not their issues or their problems but there's two things i see so much in regards to where people are possibly going wrong with their exercise they feel like they need to do a certain type of exercise or a certain thing and they can't stick to it because they hate it whether that's going to the gym when they don't want to go to the gym doing hit training when they don't want to do hit training or they can't because they're you know someone who is massively overweight probably shouldn't be doing hit training um, or they just hate it training so having this perceived idea that they have to do a certain kind of exercise which they don't want to do therefore they can't do it long term or overtraining feel it no beating themselves into the ground six seven days a week um as i mentioned in the um previously i used to work at pure gym one of the things i often saw at pure gym were people doing two gym classes back to back or a morning class and an evening class two spin classes back to back and they're not losing any weight because they're overtraining um or not concentrating on what they should be concentrating on, their calorie intake, their eating habits, their food relationship, or the fact that they're massively overtraining, they can't control their calorie intake. Mm. So from an exercise point of view, they're the two biggest problems I see. Now, how I approach it um, in a consultation call is, what, what do you want to do? What can you do? And what can you do realistically each week? So we never actually plan, we never plan. So I mentioned that they're with me for a minimum of um, 12 weeks. We never actually plan further ahead than week one. Right. What, what do you have coming up this week in regards to work, social occasions, life? What can you fit in? If they've got stuff at home, what equipment do you have? I'll provide stuff with that. I've got someone that, is walking for an, 45 minutes to an hour every single day. That's all he does because that's all he wants to do. Um, we've spoken about doing stuff at home. He doesn't want to do it. He's done the odd bit of yoga at home. I w- I'd be surprised if he's done more than five sessions in our time together. He walks for 45 minutes to an hour a day. He's currently two stone down. So, again, it comes down to... <clears throat> the individual, an individualized approach, um, and what will suit them. Now, what we start with in week one may change by week six. It may change by week three because it's not working. But it, it it's a process of finding what suits that person. So, um, yeah, again, I've gone around the houses a bit, but... What can they do? Obviously, what's their overall goal? If if someone wants to be Mr. Olympia, I'm not going to get them walking for an hour every day and not touching a weight. But obviously, that's not my clientele. But what do they want to achieve? What will they do? What do they have access to? And realistically, how often can they do it each week? And very often, um, it's something that I do a lot with clients. What is realistic? 
uh, Scott, I can probably do two to three sessions a week. Right. Here's your two to three sessions. Here's one or two bonus sessions. If you do it, great. If you can't do it, I don't give a fuck. And that that is it. Yeah. Sounds sad. And, and, and I presume that's kind of what you guys do. And really, it should be what it should be what everyone does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, obviously, they're supposed to chip in. Oh, Johnny, do you want to chip in? Yeah, I, you do find I I find it more when <clears throat> in person PTs in the gym around. Like, if they you see PTs who are into like gymnastics, right? And they always force their clients into the box of a gymnast, yeah. or he's a powerlifter. So they all do like you see fifty year old men doing like mm. single squats. You're like, really? I mean, does she really want that? Maybe she does. I don't know. Or they always fit them into a little box, whatever their box is. They're trying to put clients mm-hmm. into that box. Mm-hmm. It's like, that doesn't work. If they want to be a powerlifter, happy days, or the powerlifting coach. If, you know, if it's like, you know, whatever. It's like me, if I want to look good, I'm not going to want to do powerlifting. So if I if a PD puts me in that box, I'm not going to use him because he's not listening to what I want. He's just putting you in that box that he wants to train in. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot. I think that happens a lot, especially... Well, if it's, if it's happening in person, PT, it's probably happening online as well, isn't it? You know, you get the keto guy who's that fucking idiot on YouTube, V-Shred, with that toss who does whatever he does, fits everybody into that same box. And it's this shit, isn't it? To be fair. Yeah. Well, sorry, if I can just jump in again, and it, it's a good point. It comes down to what we were speaking about in regards to PT versus online. If, if you're a personal trainer in a gym... What have you got to offer that person in a gym that's different to what they may be doing? And that's just that's lifting weights. So your advice will be, you need to lift weights, and I'm going to show you how to lift weights. Because you're not going to say, oh, you're you're doing you're doing four to five spin classes. You can carry on doing that, because then they're not going to give you any money, or that you're not then going to turn to that person and say, um, I'll just go for a walk. Just jump on that treadmill and do an hour four to five times a week um, and we'll concentrate on your diet because that that person is just like, well, you work in a gym. Why would I pay you just to sort a diet bit out for me and tell me to jump on a treadmill rather than something like me online who is very, very um, nutrition focused and it, sometimes when I speak to my clients, I've even had a client message me and go, I know you don't care too much about exercise, but here's a question. And I'm like, look, it's not I don't care about exercise. It's not where you're struggling. Your struggles are here, and this is where our focus is. So me now as an online personal trainer, an online fat loss coach, as it says on my Instagram, here's my focus. Here's where I'm going to help you. Um, I don't care if you're walking an hour a day because it's going to help you and we're going to focus on this. I don't care if you sign up to that that 25-year-old girl's hit classes because she's got a nice bum and she's got some band around her knees. If that's what, if that's what you want to do, great. Um, but here's where our focus is going to be because this, this is what's going to help you. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's just one of them that 
and and I've I, I've worked in a gym. I still work in a gym, um, so I I know the struggles. Like if a client comes to you, say right, it's that classic. Oh well, you need to bench press, squat, and deadlift. Um, that's where you're going wrong. You don't know how to deadlift, and you're like, well, hang on. <laughs> they don't they don't have to do any of their movements. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I I think for, I mean for me, you kind of. I think the the fact that exercise, so I guess it comes down to specificity almost in that obviously yeah. with with exercise, like and this is a, this is again I keep referring back because obviously it's just recent in my memory, but the, the conversation in, that I had in, with David, the new client that I took on last week, was around kind of talk. We, some of the questions he had around exercise, we were talking about, and I, I, I got into conversation saying about kind of why specificity is so important, um, and obviously it's kind of like the exercise method you're doing or the whatever you're choosing to do for exercise. Obviously, it needs to be specific what your goal is. And obviously, if people are coming to you for a weight loss goal, you know, like literally weight loss goal, exercise has such little implication really to weight loss. Yeah. Um, that's why most people that like yourself and like us that are kind of um, online coaches that special, not specialize, but obviously do have a lot of weight loss clients. We don't specialize in weight loss necessarily, but obviously we've got a lot of weight loss clients because they're generally the biggest pool of individuals out there, aren't they? Yeah. But um yeah exercise just has such little influence on that it's kind of like that's why it then becomes that you don't take a lot of your attention towards it because it's kind of like well actually the thing that is that you say the problem that you're struggling with isn't the fact you're not doing the right exercise or even that you're not doing enough exercise potentially um i mean it isn't quite as binary as that but obviously it is a case of actually the real fundamental low-hanging fruit or you know the Pareto theory we talked about a few times in this podcast around kind of like that 20% of effort that will get you the most results is focused somewhere else it's not on the exercise point now obviously that's clearly different if your goal is now I want a specific physique like you you mentioned with the Mr. Olympia comment but any you know if you want to improve your muscle mass then yes you have to be a bit more specific and exercise plays a bit more of a role or has a bit more greater importance but I think because it's such it's only by proxy really that exercise really has an influence on the weight loss side because clearly if you're doing something you're at least expending some extra energy that's it that's all it's really doing so it doesn't really matter what you're doing for a weight loss perspective to be honest and this is why i like i for weight loss clients i almost take a bit of an approach for a lot of people of that just do something every day that actually doesn't i don't actually care what it is to a point like even to a point where i won't even say you must hit ten thousand steps per day because actually i don't really care because if, if i tell someone like it's just good to be active every day from health perspective it will add a little bit towards some extra energy expenditure people aren't going to go out for a five minute walk for most people most people well, if they're going to go out they'll do a bit longer and you end, you end up fine you don't need to tell someone to do ten thousand steps and they'll do it through their own autonomous actions they won't do it because i've told them to and even if they didn't it wouldn't matter you know, if, if they had days where they couldn't do a, a decent amount, they did only go out literally for a five-minute uh, loop around the block. Why would I care? Again, it's such small influence for the actual goal. It's not that specific, and actually, the specific parts of the nutrition side. So it yeah. does make such a, a a bigger difference. But so, like, I've had clients message me like recently and in the past. Um, you know, I've I've not done my workout today, but I've done a forty-five-minute walk. Sweet thank you very much um i've not done a workout today i was busy at work it's going to get done tomorrow sweet thank you very much i've not been able to do a workout or anything all week because work has been busy or the the kids have been ill or whatever it may be it doesn't matter like has your calorie intake been okay oh yeah my calories are bang on right nothing to worry about thank you for doing that crack on next week now one 
that reassurance is going to help them from what we're doing together. But two, when when we part ways and they're doing all this on their own, they're not going to freak out because they've missed a, a session. They're going to know that if they can't be bothered doing a workout, they can go for a walk. Or if, if they don't do a weight session and go for a swim, that's perfectly fine. Or if they do just have a shit week because everyone has shit weeks, oh, but my calories have been fine. Nothing to worry about. Comes down to overthinking. Comes down to everything they've been told in the past about going beast mode and, and doing this and doing that. It doesn't matter. Focus on the basics. Be, be a bit kinder to yourself. Go easier on yourself. And you know what? Over the weeks and months, you're going to be fucking fine. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, a, a nice message to probably start to wrap this up on, I think, mate. Because I think that's uh, probably a fund- the fundamental bit you said there about being kind to yourself um, and not overthinking things it are large parts of the of you know what are or why people are successful in the long term because they don't do that and then therefore they don't have these extremes up and downs you know a bit like the the yo-yo dieting and stuff that i mentioned some of the stuff that i see with people they don't have those because they don't overthink things and they don't worry about it and they just they kind of ride out the tougher sides knowing that it's not that important the important thing is to kind of remain as consistent as they can be during whatever the circumstances are be kind to themselves and it'll all it'll all be fine yeah i I think most most of us are not high-end athletes who probably do need to be on it a lot more of the time speak for yourself what speak for yourself mate yeah (laughs) it's like you know if you're you know if you're you're an olympian if you're an olympian caliber athlete going for the olympics then clearly you you need to be on it most of the time if you just want to lose a couple of stone then you know you don't need to think like oh if i've missed a session i'm gonna lose all my gains you're like no it's gonna make probably well it's gonna make zero difference to your gains whatsoever yeah yeah just just, just think i think it's the more long-term thing as well and just think longer term more often because too many of us think short term in most aspects of life really Absolutely. um Let's end on some good questions, some funny questions. So I'm going to try and not, I, I don't remember the questions we asked last time um, specifically, although I've got a rough idea of some of the ones that we used to ask. Um, I'm going to try and make them Espanol based somehow. So what, what's, uh, what's the, yeah, yeah, we'll be in. Um, what's the uh, best burger joint in Spain or Marbella, say, or somewhere around the area? Um, it's called Cheat. Cheat. Yeah, and it's just uh, just outside Port Benos. Who owns it? Uh, is that a footballer? Is it Lineker? No, uh, just like a, uh, no, just a, a, a local. Um, yeah, called Cheat. Very nice. Google it on um, Google it on Instagram. That don't make sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, search it on Instagram. Um, uh, it, it's kind of a five guysy type place. Okay. All right. Um, best Spanish cereal. I, I don't know. I don't eat cereal. Oh, okay. I'm an adult. Call yourself a nutritionist. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, I thought all nutritionists online ate cereal. It's all, I think it's all <laughs> people lived on. Um, I did. <laughs> okay. All right. Actually, actually, it just reminded me of something. I think it's cereal. Um, do they still sell? Because they have them here now. Those chocolate milks that are yeah. in a yellow bottle. Is um, it ca- uh, it's something like cacao? Not cacao, but something. Cacao. Like... Oh, God. Do yes. you see them about? I remember when I used to go to Spain right. as a kid. To answer... Yes, I can't remember what they're called though. 
and, and they give they give you a cup of warm milk and a little sachet of that to stir it in. Mm. Banging they were. But the best bang. thing they do here is churros, which is basically a big ring of donut, yeah. but it's not hot. Well, it is hot chocolate in that it's just melted chocolate in a cup. But ch- churros or churros, I don't know. I actually don't know how to pronounce it actually because I've only ever had them in America or Mexico. But um, actually, it's a lie. I had that. I had them in the UK. But um, aren't they Mexican, not Spanish? Or oh, I don't know. You're opening a can of worms up here now, yeah. mate. But um, I don't know. They taste good. Who cares? There's um, there's a local independent foodie place here that's called Churros and Chorizo, and um, or Chorizo. Uh, is that is that how they say it over there? Yeah, I'm not sure they go together. Is it I don't within, think they're served <laughs> together. Is it within the donut? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I had churros for I mean, them. I'll, I'll give it a go. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Well, I, I am a sweet and savoury fan. I just, I think that's a bit too far. I'll stick anything in my mouth. I've heard that. Um, God, I nearly made a really crude joke then. And I realised <laughs> that libelous. Well, being being sued for is it libel? Yeah, it's libel. Is it verbal libel? I never remember which way around. If it's libel or um, written or verbal, but anyway, um, <laughs> well, we just either way. I'm glad I avoided it. Um, okay, last question then. Would you, have you changed your mind on whether you'd rather be um, attacked by a thousand duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Um, I fear a horse-sized duck. That was your answer last time, from memory. Which I'm surprised. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I, I need to go back and listen to confirm, but I think so. You st- still got the same answer. I remember from previously thinking I can't even remember what he said. Oh, okay. And, Dude, and I, then, maybe your battery ran out. Yeah, maybe your battery ran out. Thank you for coming on, mate. Much appreciated. Nice to nice to yeah. nice to see you in. Thank kind you of... for having me on. Um, I love what you're doing. I know I I'm not someone that interacts very much with the fitness world. But only I when love, there's gossip, yeah. Yeah, only when there's gossip, which we won't mention. But I love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for having me on. Oh, and shucks, I, man. It's it's much appreciated. No, you're um you're a good man, Scott. You're a good yeah. man. Do you want to um shout out your uh socials website? Um, yes, you um your your really non personal, really large group that you're now obviously about to kick off with or. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Website, scottrobertsfitness.co.uk. Instagram, at scottrobertsfitness. You can add me on Facebook. I, I use my personal page as a business page, Scott Roberts. Or I have a free fat loss community on Facebook, on Facebook called Anytime Fat Loss. Good. That's it. Well, other than back catalogue, lift more, lose more. Oh, sorry, yeah. Lose a more, lift more, lift more, lose more. A great, a great podcast with Pete Crawshaw. If you want to follow him, uh, lift more, lose more. Pete, Pete's really got into his running, isn't he? Hello, yeah, too far. Yeah, I can't, he's doing. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I see. He needs to relax. That's what he needs to do. I don't know why. But obviously, I don't. I I only really know Pete for you. But um, I I I I kind of somehow think did he used to be in the military or army or something? Uh, um, so it was in bomb disposal. Yeah, I thought so. Um, with the I'm I'm going to butcher this. No, I'm going to keep it as bomb disposal. Um, 
yeah, he's got a rugby background, he's got an MMA background, um, and then to, came into personal training, strength and conditioning, and now he just runs really long distances and up hills and mountains. Yeah, like, doesn't have a job, just runs a lot. Yeah, like Forrest run, Gump. Run, runs a lot in a backpack. <laughs> Oh dear! Right, thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Right, cheers, and, uh, I need to shoot off because I can hear a baby crying. Oh no! Oh, Don't forget, self settle. Yeah. Start now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to curl up and start crying myself. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, at least be quiet when you do it. Obviously, don't. Yeah. You, the idea is you've got to let the baby go to sleep. Not... All right. Well, you, yep. you never actually said her name. Uh, Lola. 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 Jolie Rock. Oh, yeah, so if you if you go to my Instagram, there's a shitload of pictures on her. So I'm basically using her for likes. <laughs> are, are you are you like Johnny, where it said, oh, "I'm not gonna be one of those people," and then just spam your Instagram with like loads of baby? Basically, yeah. we're like, I've got nothing interesting to say. Well, it's quite funny in that I've posted quite a few um, client progress pictures lately, and they've got like twenty or thirty likes, and then I post her a picture of the baby, and it's like three hundred. Yeah, and you're like, well. Oh, Fuck my clients. I'm just going to post baby pictures. <laughs> That's how you have too many babies, mate. Anyway, uh, on that note. <laughs> right, let me go. Right. See you later, mate. Big love, fellas. Bye. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week. Yeah.